the more voices we have, the more carefully we listen, the closer we can get to speaking to the people that we want to be helping succeed. Today on Bridging the Gap, I welcome Derek Pollard to the show. Derek is the founder at Constellar Creative, a content specialist, an author, editor, and an educator to the younger generation. Derek and I dive into a fun conversation surrounding engaging our audience in your content, being present in your copy, and empowering and being knowledgeable in your writing. Derek expresses the importance of having emotional intelligence and a purposeful desire in your content to build success for others. We talk about poetry, which is something that Derek is so passionate about, and it was really engaging. But we also dig into this thought-filled question of, is language and words a lost art? Derek has so much insight on this. It was a great conversation. I know you're not going to want to miss it. So let's welcome Derek Pollard to the show. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Derek Pollard, thanks for joining us on Bridging the Gap. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, and that is the perfect place to start a conversation. I really appreciate you having me on, Matt. You're doing great work, and it's a real honor to join the, the company of your, your guests. Uh, I, uh, it's an honor to have you. It's, it's really, I, you know, your, your background and just kind of the, the knowledge that you bring on, on a marketing and on a content side is, is so powerful that I'm, I'm really stoked to, to dive into it. And, you know, I also, whenever I can bring someone on that, that, that builds me up, like you just did in those first 15 seconds, like I will bring those people on all day, every day, because <laughs> can't get enough of it from that perspective. But, you know, so I, I, I want to, I, I love just to start and we were talking a little bit about, you know, you're, you're a Michigan fan. I'm a Georgia fan. That's, we're not going to go down that path because we won, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you're going to win yeah. if we do it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> But you you started. You're the founder of Const, Const, uh, Constellar Constellar Creative. Constellar now, Creative. You got it. We were just talking about pronunciations, and I, I told you that I'm not the best at it. But tell us how you got on this journey to where you are. I'd love to just know. Start from the beginning. Give us your story. I love <laughs> to hear people's story. Like, what got you into what you're doing? Building content, writing content, editing content, and, and why? What's your passion? Yeah, again, these are all great questions and and wonderful places to start. I think one of the things that you'll find is the best best leads, and and I mean L-E-D-E, right? The best headlines, the best way to, to invite dialogue is by asking the question you asked at the top of the episode, how are you? How are things? Right? And that's what has inspired me since the the very beginning. I've been I've been writing and making books since I was a kid, right? I mean, you ask that question, you know, how much time do we have here? Because it goes back a minute for me. I just loved it. I've, I've loved working with language and, and just had a, a, a sort of intuitive relationship with it since I was a kid. My, my father was in sales and leasing at a, a pivotal point in the economy when sales and leasing was a really big deal, right? When interest rates were so high, nobody was comfortable buying anything. He was a very persuasive man, very articulate. My mother was a, a school teacher. And so I grew up in a household in which those pursuits were honored and supported. So I was very fortunate and I'm, I'm grateful for that every day. I grew up in a very loving household and was encouraged to, you know, become a, you know, a 
guy, a weird guy who works with words. And, and everybody gave me the, the, the encouragement to be able to pursue that particular passion. The whole heart I've been, I was mentioning before we came on, I've, I've been walking around my place just talking to myself since about noon today. Getting ready for the podcast, obviously. I mentioned I was going through and, and uh, spending some time reading Ready to Be Rich, one of the books you've written. We're going to throw a quote in here at some point from that book. <laughs> I love working with language at the granular level. And Constellar Creative was born of the idea that we're emerging into a, a new economy, a new way of doing things, a new way of looking at things. And I have to say, you know, having been in education for as long as I have, I've been teaching for, this is one of those points where you kind of cover your mouth. You know, <laughs> I've been teaching for 20 plus years. But because I've been in education, because I've been working, I, you know, I've been, I, I've been sharing out the skills and experience that I've had for two decades, over two decades now. It has everything to do with what I consider to be both the, the, the business model, the business plan, and the mission of Constellar. And it's simply this to help good people do good work. For me, that's helping people say it and write it just like they mean it. And I know that I have colleagues in the field who are going to say, and I really appreciate this, I love conversations and I love people staking positions when they're willing to listen. I love the fact that there are people pushing back and saying that writing is easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is some truth to that. I'll be honest, as somebody who's been doing it, both leading up to a career as a, a widely published poet, editor, English professor, and now content creator and copy editor, it's not. <laughs> it's it's really hard. And it's really hard because there's so much at stake, right? I mean, every time that we wind up committing our thoughts to the page or the screen, it's us that's there. It is our ideas. And again, I know you know this very, very well, having gone through the process of, of, of starting businesses, going through that whole process. There is so much vulnerability that is part of that process. And I just think it is so important. I'm going to just come out and say it at the, the start here. The most important skill that you can be developing, and yes, you can develop it, is emotional intelligence. And if that's at the heart of the work you're doing, whether you're advising others, whether you're creating content, whether you're working to create the connections that go so far beyond conversion, if, if at the center of your work is a purposeful desire to be present to the people that you are serving, that's gonna define your success, right? The degree to which you're able to build success for others. That is, that's so powerful. I, I take away a lot of things from from what you were saying. And the first one that you're talking about when you're talking about your father and with interest rates, you know, I just, I think about today, everybody's so worried about interest rates being so high at five and a half percent. And I think, yeah. And then I think, and then you get back to your dad selling and, and leasing at, at, you know, 18%, you know, 15%. It's like, people were still really low, right? Like, that's the first thing that I, I, I look at. You know, the other thing is, you know, you talk about like, Everybody's like, well, writing a book's so easy. I'm just going to write a book. And it's always easy to look at it and say when you're on the outside. It's like, it's, it's, it reminds me of any company when you like look at, uh, you know, Instagram. Everybody's like, that's such an easy idea. Like, just put pictures up on the internet, right? 
but yeah. you don't realize how much difficulty it goes into it. And yeah. and the other thing that I, you mentioned, I, I want your your thoughts on this because you say you focus on language and yeah. words, right? And 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 how powerful they are, and it's like a passion of yours, just language. I feel that language and words is like a lost art. And I'm wondering why, right? Because like, it's like, we're in the slang. I don't think that people understand, like, it can be so powerful, the words that you use, especially if you use less of them and the right ones, it can be really powerful. But it feels like language is the lost art. Do you feel the same way? And if not, tell me why. And if so, why do you think that's the case? I'm just so curious about that. So a couple of things. I want to get back to answering that question, but you brought up a point that's very near and dear to me. And I know that that we're going to, we hope to touch upon my life on LinkedIn, which when I'm not pulling out all the stops for clients is pretty much where I live. And so you're going to hear me reference a lot of conversations that I'm having. So interesting that you brought this up. I want to get back to the point you made first in, in creating a sense of ease or facility, right? It looks easy. I'm going to say the best compliment I could ever be paid. Like if I really hit it out of the park for a client, if I give you, if I get your voice exactly right, and we're able to communicate what you mean to say, just like you mean to say that thing you've been tearing your hair out about because you just can't quite get it. If we're able to get there, if we've done it exceptionally well, it's going to be just like we're standing in an art gallery. Somebody walks in to look at a Jackson Pollock and says, my kid could do that. Right. That you are absolutely right. And that's the thing. I I want to, I'm loud and proud about that. You are absolutely right. Your kid could do that. In fact, any of your listeners who are parents understand already they have the best art museums in the country, right? They're in their kitchens. They are on their refrigerators. Best art galleries, best museums that we have in the United States are on parents' refrigerators. Your kid absolutely could do that. Except here's the difference. A grown adult had to walk that back that far to unlearn all of that to be able to be bold enough to create something that you could walk in and casually dismiss by saying my kid could do that. That, right, that's extraordinary. (laughs) So whenever I'm in museums, and I'm in museums a lot, I live right down the street from the, the Norton Museum of Art here in West Palm Beach. I walk down as often as I can. When I hear that, I I just, my eyes light up. I'm like, that's, you are so right. And I just want you to think about that because I don't know about you, but it's been a long time since I had the freedom and the liberty to pursue my own creativity and curiosity and sense of wonder to the degree that I did when I was a boy growing up in Michigan. That's so incredible, right? I mean, like the naivety of a kid, right? And everybody, and I, I, I think about it, you know, I had just had this experience the other day and it was incredible, right? My nephew was playing baseball and we took the kids over and, and watched and like the first inning, I grew up playing baseball yeah, and I, I coached it a little bit when I graduated, but cool. that first inning, these were 10 year olds, right? 10 and 11 year olds, nine, 10, 11. And like, this the pitcher caught a line drive and like he caught it and he was just like celebrating. I, I remember I took my daughter 
because she had to go take her nap. And so I walked her out into the back in the and the outfield, and I was just watching all alone. And like, and then the next play, the shortstop like ran and dove like effortlessly, and like yeah. made this incredible play. Had no worries in the world that he was going to make a mistake or anything. And I just yeah. sat there and watched, you know, three innings of this game of these kids just loving the game of baseball. And then I think back to what it was like when I was playing in high school and it yeah. felt like a job as opposed yeah. to the passion. Yeah. And we yeah. forget that. And like you say that about art, you say that about writing, like, yeah, our kids can do it. And the reason they can is because they're free from all of the risks that are ensuing of the, what could happen of the, of, of feeling you know bad if it's wrong. And like all of these <laughs> exactly. things that we're taught, and there's so much power in that. That is extremely powerful. There, I mean, that is incredible from that standpoint. Well, hey, listen, I'm going to just quote the guy who brought me to it, right, in this book that I've been reading called Ready to be Rich. And here it is in your own words. And this resonates very deeply with me because I think it is at the heart of so much of the hesitation that prohibits us from taking the risks that we know are required to innovate to trans and again, I'm I'm always motivated by providing a platform for others. That's that drives what I do. To me, I know success looks different to everyone. To me, that's the measure of success. How many other people? How much am I able to give back by working as hard as I do? And how many other people can I empower? So here it is from the introduction to Ready to Be Rich. Quote: Too often we are afraid of change not because of the change itself, but because of the uncertainty that comes with having to deal with common situations in a different way, end quote. So bravo, right? Now, I also want to say- I, That's a pride. I didn't write that. There's no way I wrote that. That, that really well, came from the, the book or did you just make that up? Totally came from the book. And here's what I love about this example is, uh, you asked me at the, the top- you know, where did this all start? Why do I do it? It's that right there. For me, I recognized a very long time ago that my better angels live on the page of the screen. I am at my very best in my writing. And that's what pushed me. And that's what I think encouraged and emboldened everyone who helped to raise me. It, 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 it granted me that permission because I just, I recognized very early on. That's, I, I am at my very best when you're reading my writing. That's as mm. good as it gets for me. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it also is really important to remember, you know, like you just, like that's a moment, right? I mean, that it's, it's there, it's, it is in print. I have the book, right? But as writers, we do it so often, I, I think, you know, people may wind up coming back and quoting us. And I often have the same feeling you do. Wait a second. Like, that's, man, that's really, like, <laughs> there's no way I could have done that. That is so articulate. And at the same time, again, getting back to this notion that, that writing is, is both easy and really hard. I can't tell you how often I go back and look at something that's been published, right? Whether it's, it's, it's my own work or work I've done for a client. And I will reach out to clients in cases where I, I, I'm like, I can do this better. Let's take a look at it this way, right? I can do this in fewer words to give you more space to say even more, right? 
I, I love having the opportunity to continue collaborations like that. And so oh. I, I think there are moments where as writers, we rise above our own expectations for ourselves. I think at the same time that happens and we might not even recognize our own work, right? Oh. Years on. You, you mentioned, so I don't mean to cut you off, but you, as you're talking on that point, you mentioned something earlier, and, and we're going to get into uh, this topic of listening to your audience to make good writing, because I want to dive into that. But I mean, yeah. this has been just so interesting, and I mean, we'll talk for as long as we need to, is yeah. you mentioned vulnerability, right? Yeah. And, and when people become vulnerable, and you and that's, I think, the thing about naivety and white kids, because they, they, they're not worried about anything else. And when you're vulnerable, the things that you can do, and sometimes when you then read it and you're in that non-vulnerable state, you're like, there's no way I wrote that. But when you do get vulnerable with your words in the paper in front of you and you just can write, you can write some amazing things. And people don't necessarily – they want to like put their guard up because it's like they need to keep their perception of others on them and they feel that they can't say that because of the role they're in. But when you're vulnerable, amazing things happen. Well, and it – I, I just want to say, you know, again, this is one of the points that I make with, with writing students every semester that I'm teaching. Just walking into the room, and P.S., you want to talk about a hard sell. I got 20 years of experience of walking into rooms full of anywhere from 15 to 40 strangers, <laughs> most of whom don't want to be there. And within an hour, I got to get them on board for a process, you know, in some cases that stretches 15 weeks that they want nothing of. And so I, I take I take great instruction from that, and it's it has taught me a tremendous amount. I was always a shoegazer when I was younger. Like I I couldn't order my own food when we went out to dinner until I was like 12, 13 years. I was really shy, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I know we talked about this at, at the top, and I want to get back to we're talking about vulnerability. I think one of the I think one of the most important things that we can be doing when we're talking about marketing, when we're talking about creating connection beyond creating conversion, is to acknowledge that what we do takes a tremendous amount of courage and that we are not just ourselves vulnerable, but we're reaching people who are in many cases coming to us if they're if they screw up the courage to do so coming to us with questions that they may be embarrassed to ask mm-hmm. right I, I, they may they may look around just as happens in college and classrooms and K through 12 classrooms high school more so than elementary school and they nobody else is raising their hand and so the assumption is everybody else gets it right everybody else understands what's going on and I, I can't be the, that person. I can't be the person who asks the quote unquote dumb question, right? Well, guess what? I, I, I'm perfectly fine. Let me do that for you. And again, that's part of what I do when I work with clients in terms of, of trying to create the content and the marketing, marketing collateral that's going to help them connect with their, their prospects and, and with their clients and develop those lasting relationships let me ask the dumb questions. Right? Mm-hmm. I have no yeah. problem wading into that territory because that's how I learn, right? I, I, I learn by making mistakes. Now, I, I want to reassure all of the, those of you who may reach out to me. I don't do that. as That's not like a professional hazard. I'm not like, hey, cool, let's go out and fail together. <laughs> but I am going to tell you, every single brand and business that you are thinking of when you're thinking about who you want to emulate 
is built on the back of a string of failures that led to success because that's part of the process. And getting back to vulnerability and, and getting back to that sort of childlike sense of, of emboldenedness, it, it just, you're going to make mistakes. All of us do, right? This is why I, I firmly believe that one of the most dangerous myths that we need to work together to puncture is the myth of perfection, of giving 110%. Right. Again, as somebody who works with words, that's dangerous to me. Right. You you cannot give one hundred and ten percent. It's but, not but possible. Even, but even if you gave one hundred and ten percent, you're not perfect. Right. I think this perfectionism yeah. mentality. Yeah. Right. Is is that, you know, I've always said and it's been a struggle that I've faced as just as a as a before I was a professional and then as a professional and as a young leader was perfectionism right like i mean you think about like what we're raised in school it's like you got a hundred is like a perfect and you want to get hundreds you want to get a's and perfectionism hurt me a lot in my early career (laughs) and and you know what i've realized is that it's it's a perfectionism is a bad thing if you are always striving and and expect that you can get there right well you expect that you can get there it's a bad thing perfectionism is a great thing if you understand that you will never get there because the journey to being perfect is incredible. You learn, you're always learning, right? You're going to, because that is a lifelong journey that you're going to be on. And if you, but it's a matter of how you use the words to determine (laughs) what is your focus. And so I think that that's the problem is that we think that perfectionism is attainable, but it's not, it's never attainable. No, and you said it so well. As an aspiration, I want everybody to aspire to be perfect. I aspire to be perfect, right? I don't ever want that to get in anyone's way because you're not going to get there, right? You want to be as good as you can be in any given moment. And again, you know, putting something on the page or screen, setting it there. I mean, you know, I, I just relaunched the website for the business just a couple of weeks ago. And I got to tell you, I'm, I, I am tinkering with that when I have time all day long, right? Because it is a living document and it's designed to be that way. But an article I wrote two years ago, a a post I made on LinkedIn, sure, I can go in and edit it, but it's there, right? It's out in the world already. I'd rather move forward. I'd rather move on to what comes next. I'd rather learn from that experience, aspire to do it better, always be willing to learn and just acknowledge at the start, I'm not always going to get it right. None of us are. And it's what you do with those missteps, right? Mm-hmm. So just to kind of put this in context and give you an example, I'm, I'm consulting with a, a startup, a nonprofit foundation. And I just over the weekend was working with the, the director. We're putting together copy for the website, which is yet to be launched. And again, collaboration is just so integral to the, the work that I do. Again, you hand me a creative brief. I want to maybe speak to one of the ways in which we can overcome that obstacle, voice recording apps. Absolutely Mm -hmm. brilliant. Particularly if you're like creative brief, I'm not entirely sure. Just get a really good voice recording app and do what I've been doing since noon. Walk around, record yourself, right? Because there's your creative brief. If you're handing that off, if you decide to outsource your, your marketing, if you decide this is either something we want to get better at, right? So let's do a consult or look, this is just not our thing. 
And, and we don't want to develop that either way, right? If you're handing that off to someone short-term or long-term, there's your creative brief in a nutshell. And even better, even better is I get to actually hear your voice, literally your voice, not the voice that we want to put on the page or screen. I actually get to hear you trying to tease at this idea so that I'm able to get that much closer to saying it the way that you mean to say it. So this foundation and the, the, the collaborative session that we had went on all day. We were at it for, I think, four hours, right? It was phenomenal. And all we did was we just sat down. We had some, some you know, placeholder text and we just started to look at it closely and carefully. We just started to kind of pull it apart. One of the things that I find when you're working in that capacity, right, when you are right up alongside someone, you have to build trust. Again, this is true regardless of whether we're talking about content creation or whether we're talking about financial advising. You have to build trust because there was a moment, and I still remember it because it stings. Because whenever you set something down, it's not just something you said. It's not just an idea you had. It's who you are. Right. And that's why I think constructive feedback can be so difficult at times, because as you say, we gradually become more and more self-aware, more self-conscious, and we start to get in our own way a lot because we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to be the person who's like, I'm raising my hand. I don't get that. Can you review it another time, even though you've reviewed it five times already? Because sometimes you need a sixth time. Right. One of the things that happens in those cases in being vulnerable, the director of the foundation, I just come up with a tagline. I was on fire. I was like, oh, that's good. And I sat for a second and I was like, here, this is it. Let me read it to you. And I read it and she looked at me and without missing a beat said no. And I'm like, oh, that hurt. That took us hours. That's hours of work. Like that's a good tagline. Nope. And she was already moving on. And I'm like, ouch, like that one stung. But I just took a second, you know, just caught my breath. And literally this happened, you know, I'm going to say 10, 15 seconds. I'm like, okay, this isn't about me. Uh, that, that is a good idea, but it's not the right idea here. And I didn't take it far enough. And I just looked back at her and I said, cool, what's next? Where do we go? We got this. Where do we go from here? And I think that if you're at a point, and again, I'm speaking just in general now, if you're able to earn that trust, if you're able to work with somebody and establish a relationship, just as you did at the, the top of this episode by asking me how I'm doing and how things are, then you have the ability to move into the ubiquitous, fast-paced environment where you might not always have the time to say it in a way that somebody's going to hear it without feeling that sting, where you can move on because you recognize it's the content that matters there. It's the reaching out that you're doing to your audience, to your prospects, and to your clients. Your idea, that's just a step in the process, right? Now, yeah. this also gets us back to words art, the lost art of language, right? 
I got a lot of pushback. I just recently posted something on LinkedIn, again, the social channel I live on. It's where I, I mean, seriously, every day, all day long, that's a university's worth of education going on from people who are just really good at doing it. I got some pushback. I pulled a quote out of the best book of poems on content marketing you're ever going to read, The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Eloquent words aren't true. True words aren't eloquent. Now, that may or may not be the case. As somebody who has worked with language at the granular level for as long as I have, I kind of have a thing for eloquence, right? It kind of speaks to me. But I understand the idea and the impetus for that particular um, that particular injunction, right? Let, let's be mindful about this because if you don't have the product or service, right, if you're not delivering quality, if people can't trust you, if you are not their go-to resource, no amount of dress up is going to change that, right? <laughs> you can't sell something that doesn't work and you can't be a, a, a successful advisor. You can't give people that sense of confidence you can't educate them. You can't teach yourself out of a job if you are not providing them with service that exceeds their expectations, right? And, and to do that, you have to first and foremost recognize you're dealing with other people. I, you'll hear me say this over and again. You'll see it on social media from me. People connect with people being people. And if that's not driving your business, you may you may be able to hold on for a bit, but I have news. I, I don't think you're in it for the long haul. And I think Gen Z is already showing us that. Yeah. I mean, and I, <clears throat> I always say that about brands, right? People buy, people relate to not a brand. They relate to the people behind the brand, right? When, and so when, a, when you go and just market the brand, it's harder. Established brands, it's easier. But initially, there has to be a person there for us to connect. And, you know, this kind of leads into something that, you talk a lot about about listening to your audience, being engaged in the conversation, right? Being present in your copy and getting out of like, you know, you talk about getting out of your own way and writing for your audience because everybody wants to write about what they want to talk about, not necessarily what people want to hear about. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said about that, right? Find the people that want to listen to what you want to talk about. But I'm just curious in your mind, being present in your copy, what – what does that mean? Like walk us <laughs> through that because and, and the reason I asked this real quick is because advisors, we have to continue to find new ways to grow. Content yeah. marketing is a new potential way for us to grow. We have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. We understand a lot about our clients. We don't, we don't tend to be vulnerable, which I think is something we can all learn. But this idea of how to write good copy that speaks and listens, speaks to by listening to your audience yeah is really powerful. So being present in your copy, what does that, what does that mean? It's a great question. I'd love to be able to quantify it. Like I'd love to run the analytics on that. Right. Which I, I'm not, I, I, I'm all for it. The more tools we have at our disposal, the better. And so I, I, I say that only partially tongue in cheek. I do wish we could quantify that to a greater degree. And I'm sure that there are data analysts who would be able to, to help us do that. For my two cents, right? And you've said the word over and again, and, and this is where I start, it's listening, right? And, and listening 
by, by, by being willing, you know, not simply asking the question rhetorically. I think that's a very important place to, to begin. I'm not just asking you how you're doing, right? If you're hearing that question from me, I really want to know the answer, right? Because that is going to drive the business that we do together. Again, who we are. This is another one of those lines of demarcation for me between how we used to do things and how as we continue to emerge from the pandemic, we're going to do things, right? And innovative companies, innovative individuals and professionals are already starting to do it. And that is who we are drives what we do. Right. For us to try to separate those two things out, that, that's not good business. That's not how this works anymore. Right. I, you, again, you may still be able to ride that wave because that's how we've done business for such a long time. But the truth of the matter is, I, I think all of the indicators are pointing to the fact that in order for us to succeed going forward. And again, I'm going to use very imprecise and possibly FCC threatening language here. We have to give a shit. Right. And, and we have to care about empowering others. And I think that that has to be the mind. When we listen, we need to there need to be as many voices in that room as as possible. So I just want to get this out there. I, this is so long overdue. I need to see more women advisors. I need to see men getting paving the way and getting out of the way of, of women advisors. I need to see and hear more people of color right? In financial services, because we need all of the perspectives we can get, because I don't know about you. I come to you with a very heavy heart today. I look around and the sky is falling, right? Everywhere I turn, there is tragedy the world over right now. I want as many new perspectives as possible. And I want to listen as carefully and closely as I can so that I'm able to be an ally and an advocate and help to build those platforms so that this all becomes more inclusive, more compassionate, more understanding, right? So that we are serving one another and not just talking about doing it and not just putting in initiatives, right? Not hiring consultants to make sure we have diversity, equity, and inclusion covered. I want, I want those voices to be present because they resonate, right? That is one of the greatest this is why I advocate for tra travel should be an integral part of the K through 12 educational system in this country. It certainly should be part of higher ed in this country. I would love everyone, particularly people who may be a little set in their ways to go somewhere where they don't know the language. They don't know how to find the bathroom. They don't even know what the money means. I would like you to live in those circumstances, even if it's for two weeks, better yet, six to eight maybe a year, right? And then I would like to talk to, I'd love to welcome you back and I'd like to hear about difference. I'd like to hear about what inclusivity looks like. I'd like to hear about what making a difference means when you find yourself completely out of your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that can be a traumatic experience and I don't welcome trauma on anyone. Again, there's enough of that going on in the world already, but Again, the more voices we have, the more carefully we listen, the closer we can get to speaking to the people that we want to be helping succeed. And that's what to me is most important. Matt, I think you made a very, very great point in, in the, the lead in with your question. I think one of the other things, too, is your passion as an advisor. You are so I mean, again, if, if you are invested in what you do, pun intended, you 
it's all about sharing it. Like, you know, things that other people like you really want to help people take control of their, you want to give them those tools. And what better way to do that than to listen to the questions that they have and find ways, as I said before, and, and this is the educator in me, to learn something yourself well enough to be able to walk it back from somebody for somebody who simply has no idea what you're talking about so that you can convey your passion because that's what people respond to. When you're enthusiastic, I, I mean, again, I suspect you and, and many of your listeners, I know I can speak for myself, the teachers that I still remember throughout my career and boy, howdy, it was a long one, right? It, it takes a while, but the, the, the teachers and the professors that I remember most, it's many of whom are still very dear friends of mine, were the people who built that platform, got out of the way and shared their enthusiasm, right? Because once you do, once you are able to convey your passion about something, and I don't care on the surface how bland or quote unquote boring it may be, if you can convey your, you got into it for a reason, right? If you can convey that to me, or if I can help you convey that to your prospects and your clients, boy, howdy. I mean, you want to talk about building community. You want to talk about thriving. You want to talk about building success. That's it right there. Well, and I think that there's there's a, there's so many points there. I mean, I think the, the idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right, getting different perspectives, it's just a known psychological trait that if you are just focused on learning from one group, you're going to go deep into that group and you're going to be on one side. There's a reason why we're polarized in this country yeah. is that if you were to get three of those people all from separate areas into a group, you're going to come more to the middle. And and that's just, that's just the nature of it. And it would be great for us because we would come more to the middle of, of what everybody's needs are. And I think that that's so powerful. But you, you, you just hit on something where you know, using enthusiasm, enthusiasm is infectious, is you know, yeah. this idea, though, that advisors are trying to grow, they're very analytical, and they're looking at their numbers yeah. on what they can convert, right? If I put out a blog post, did I convert yeah. any clients? I didn't, then it's not worth my time. But you talk about yeah. this idea, as this, and this will be our, our, our kind of our, our finale here, because I think it's so powerful, is, you know, you write to connect as opposed to convert, which is so yeah. backwards, which is so yeah. backwards in the minds, I yeah. think, of a lot of advisors. So yeah. dive into that, right? Dive right. into that of why that is the way to do it. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, again, I, I, part of me is contrarian. So I'm kind of with Jerry Rubin when we were leading up to Nixon's reelection. He was on the Dick Cavett show quite often. And at one point they were talking about, because this was the point in which we were lowering the voting age. And Jerry Rubin said, listen, if we're serious about this, let's lower it to 12, right? And I'm with Jerry Rubin there. <laughs> because 12-year-olds in this country at this point, and, and increasingly, right, are running their own businesses already and doing it really well. So why not have somebody who's that passionate and, and not yet jaded enough and who's actually out making change happen. Those are the people I want to be working with, right? Mm -hmm. The people who are actually not at a point where they're like, well, we have to rein this in. I'm not sure we can do that. Let's go make change happen, right? So that notion of, 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 of connection versus conversion. Listen, if, if we're going to say it plainly, 
we are in the business of, of bringing people to our business, right? And, and that's how we grow. I'm, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. But one of the points that, that I think we're touching upon here is the difference between content marketing and copywriting, right? And I think that when both of those are done well, right, when you are developing brand awareness and when you are speaking to the whole person when you're reaching out, when you're educating your audience and when you're making room for them to tell the stories that are really important for us to hear, you know, you're in the process of, of, of creating content, right? And that's hugely important. It's the copy that's meant to drive action. And I think if we're really savvy about content marketing and engagement marketing, I go even further, we're bringing those two things together. We're not separating them out any longer. When I'm writing successful copy, I'm speaking to the whole person. I'm not just trying to drive action, right? The other part of it is, and even though this is counterintuitive, when you're reaching out as opposed to just doing outreach, you are opening up, just as we've been doing, as we've been speaking, you're opening up the opportunity for dialogue. When you present your prospects and your clients with the opportunity to respond, to get engaged, to participate in a conversation, right? even if it is about something that you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough sell, <laughs> you know, like actuary rates. How do we make this? <laughs> you know, like whatever we're talking about, right? Financial regulation, whatever it happens to be. If you're able to open up space for a dialogue, even if it's just asking the simplest question, you know, a question that most people would be like, can I even ask that question? What about your financial future are you most worried about? If you open up the opportunity for people not just to take a survey, complete the you annotate, know, do a poll, if you actually say, I want to hear your story. Right. And you've been so good. Again, this is why this podcast is 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 only continues to grow and is so significant and important because it invites conversation. Right. This is not just the two of us speaking. We're going to open this up to a, a, we're opening up a dialogue here. We're inviting people to ask questions. We're inviting people to tease at ideas, as you mentioned, in ready to be rich, to look at things from new angles and not to be afraid of taking those chances. Right. Letting your audience, letting your prospects and your clients reach out to you with the questions that they want answered. Even if they're questions like, can you explain the word fiduciary to me? What a great opportunity for you to inform, to provide somebody with a new skill set, a new knowledge base. Again, if we're doing this really well, we, we wind up working ourselves out of a job, right? And that is the yeah. best, like that is the best possible end goal we could have is to empower people to the degree to which they feel confident and have the skills and experience to do it on their own. Right. And to also know when to lean in for outside expertise. I love it. Derek Pollard. I mean, we could talk for hours and, <laughs> and it would all be intriguing and insightful and fun. Um, but I'm going to let you get back to doing what you do so well. And I, I think that there's so much gold in this podcast, just so much good stuff. I'm going to wrap it up with my two main questions I always ask. I'm actually throwing in a, a, a third one just for you. And the first one is, is given that I'm a lifelong learner, this is selfish for me. A lifelong learner is I'm going to 
I always ask, what's a book that everybody should go out and read and buy and read? And then the special question for you is, what is the best poem out there? Right, you're a poetry back poem, poetry yeah. background, best poem out there. Let's hear what you got. Let's start with the book and then go to the poem. What do you have? Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna come back and, and answer your first question with another quote, and and it's specific to to marketing, but I think in general it's 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 applicable. And this may not be the book that I wind up recommending. It's by Seth Godin. This is from This Is Marketing. This was published in 2018, by the way. So as is quite often the case with Seth Godin, we're catching up, right? It's time to do something else with marketing, to make things better, to cause a change you'd like to see in the world, to grow your project, sure, but mostly to serve the people you care about. Now, if that shows up in a book about marketing and content marketing, right, that's probably a book you want to add to your list, right? Yeah. So I, I'm going to say that that's, that's up there. You know, goodness gracious. I, you know, it's unfortunate we can't zoom in on the bookshelf. There's another one of your answers, right? <laughs> As for your question about the, the poem, and, and maybe this is by way of answering your, your first question too, if it's been a minute, I really encourage all of you to go back and read Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. It's going to take you a little bit. It's in the Dover Thrift edition of 54-page poem, but I don't want that to frighten you. Feel free to read it as you would a novel or a book on financial advising or copy editing. I think what you're going to find is a very complicated telling of the American experience. It's problematic in places. It's very engaging throughout. It's very complicated. There's some places where you're probably going to be shouting at, at, at Uncle Walt. He doesn't always get it right. But it's a very, very important poem. It's part of the, the book Leaves of Grass. And I, I just think it should be, I, I think that should be on everyone's reading list. And I got to tell you, my vote for best book of 2021 is written by the poet Ashley M. Jones. It's entitled Reparations Now. And I know it may be kind of weird. You know, you're like content marketing, financial advising. What are we doing talking about poetry? We're talking about the human condition and relating to one another. And I got to tell you, literature and the arts are, are an extraordinary place and, and often an unexpected place to go to find the type of inspiration that we're all looking for. So I want to get that plug in there too. It's I been love. a while since we went to a museum or to a library, but get there and support them. They're integral institutions. I love that. I'm into that. And the last the last question that I always like to wrap up with comes from kind of an experience I had at Barron's. I thought it was just powerful. What's just one piece of, you know, just simple, actionable advice that somebody can take from our conversation today that they could start implementing today, tomorrow, just to be better, what would it be in your mind? Give yourself permission to do what I've taken to, to calling constructive daydreaming, right? And I got to tell you, it's really, really tough to do. But just sit. Just sit and follow your thoughts. I, I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes. If you're really good at it, give yourself an hour. But just give yourself time every day to take care of yourself and just follow the direction your thoughts are going in. Because you are going to, that's, that's where all the aha moments happen. And when we don't give ourselves time to do that, we don't have the energy. We don't have the enthusiasm to share out in the ways we can't be present to our prospects and our clients in the ways that we need to be because we're not fully present to ourselves. So that starts tomorrow for all of us. Please 
be good to yourselves, and let's work together to, to build this better. I, I, I really firmly believe we can do it, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of effort. Agreed. Derek Pollard, you're the man. This is so much fun. I took a ton away from it. I love following you on LinkedIn and all around. I'm a big fan of yours and what you're doing. And I'm sure our listeners are going to want to continue to follow you. So tell us how we can stay in touch with you, how we can follow you. Uh, tell us it all. How do we how do we keep following Derek Pollard? Constellercreative.com will take you to the website. And then just follow me on LinkedIn, ring the bell so that we're able to stay in touch. Feel free to DM me. There's a contact sheet. There's also a Calendly link on the contact page on the website. We can book time. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear how I can help, what I can take off your plate. Derek Pollard, you're the best. Congratulations on all your success, man. And I can't wait to continue following and all the great things you're doing. Thanks so much for taking time to join us here on Bridging the Gap today. Uh, Matt, thanks to you. I really appreciate it. And Right back at you, man. I'm really looking forward to staying in touch and uh, I'm really, really excited to keep following the podcast. You're doing outstanding work. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. Central.